Hey, welcome to Bulls Gold here on Nothing But Net Radio. I'm Edward Schuler, as always, joined by Salim Sudawala. Salim, we are coming off a red-hot trade deadline for the Chicago Bulls. Kind of unexpected, but man, how are you doing? We've had a lot of trades, a very atypical trade deadline for the Bulls. Yeah, very very busy. Uh, for once, our front office that we have did not go on vacation this time of the year, so it's... <laughs> It's it's crazy. It's it's a new feeling, right? Because we're we make we're making jokes and stuff, but we're not used to this type of movement and uh, not used to a front office deciding, you know, let's put our cards on the table or chips on the table, I should say, and go for it. Like right? make make the team better and not just say, you know, we like our young guys and we're gonna keep moving forward with the young guys we have. So, yeah. and I think we've all talked about how this team needed a shake-up of some sort. So this is this is very nice to see, yeah, for sure. Yeah, this is this is different. We're used to the memes of the cobwebs on the phone and the skeleton uh, with the phone in his hand and, you know, Pat standing and all of that. So this was just a really different change of pace, and it's just great to see Bulls fans, like, energized by all of the moves and excited about all of the new additions that we're going to cover on today's show. So we're going to break down the Nikola Vucevic trade. We're going to break down the three-team trade with the Bulls, Celtics, and Wizards that happened. And yeah, we, we, we have a lot to talk about with these moves. And joining us on today's show from Bulls HQ, we have Mark Karanzoulos. Mark, great to have you back. Nice to talk to you on really just an eventful Bulls day, man. Yeah, for sure, guys. Thanks for having me. I think I think it was about this time last week. Was it was it this time last week or whatever it was? We you guys were on Bulls HQ. I think we were, was it against the Spurs that the Bulls dropped that that yes. when I had you on when you had you guys on yeah. and blew that absolute <laughs> lead. It was the most depressing podcast I've done in a long time. I felt guilty for inviting <laughs> you guys on. Uh, like I, I reached out. I'm like, yeah, let's get Edward and Salim on. I haven't had them on for a while. We'll get them on in podcast. Bulls were looking good. Uh, like they're up by 23 against the Spurs. We're going to be talking about a three game winning streak. Everything was going to be good. They blew it. Terrible, terrible game. Terrible podcast because <laughs> we were all disappointed and depressed and. Uh, you know, I was thinking after that, like next time we, uh, next time we speak to these guys, hopefully we're speaking to, hopefully I'm speaking to them on a, on a much more positive note. I, I wasn't expecting this, but I sure as hell, uh, I'm glad we are talking about this stuff. Yeah, it's crazy because on your show we were talking about how we needed veterans, right? Like we needed adults in the room, and we were talking about this on the last uh, show of Bulls Gold too with uh, Dave and C Dub, just how we need just guys who know their role and get it so we don't have to worry about just players who are coming in the game they lack the confidence they don't know what their role is they they're underestimating opponents and Wendell Carter Jr. who was you know coincidentally traded was talking about that uh, after the Bulls lost to the Cleveland Cavaliers so all of this happening is just really kind of surreal when you think about it because it, it has been a build-up to several young players getting moved and AK and Eversley finally making their mark on the team. Yeah, for sure. And look, so many things are going through my mind right now, but like, you know, just thinking about it whole holistically stepping away from it. And like, I'm just thinking like how many times is a Bulls fan over the last 20, 25 years 
have, can we say we've ever won a trade deadline? <laughs> Never. <laughs> like, how many times can we ever say we've won a free agency period? Like, probably like never over the last 20 odd years. So like to be sitting here today, not really expecting a whole much because well, it just, you know, the the jungle drums weren't necessarily suggesting the Bulls were going to do it a whole heap at least. You know, they had some feelers out here for Lonzo, but beyond that, I wasn't expecting too much more. Even if even the Lonzo deal, I wasn't necessarily expecting that. But to now be talking about a situation where the Bulls have like a legit all-star next to Zach Levine and all-star like, an all-star center who's basically averaging 25, 11, and four on the season. Um, I Yeah, it's just, it's it's when you step, take a step back and actually realize sort of what's happened today and to, to think about where we were maybe 24 hours ago where the Bulls just lost a really terrible game to the Cavs. Like, it's completely, you know, it's, it's, I was going to say full circle, but it's not full circle. It's a 180. And yeah, to be sitting here and thinking like the Bulls actually won the trade deadline, they got the best the best guy that was dealt onto the trade deadline. Like, and you know, to be a fan of that team happening and to be a fan of a team that really is active at all in the trade deadline, it, it's it's so weird. And uh, I don't really know how to react other than to be super excited and just jazzed up on too much coffee and don't really know <laughs> what to do with my hands and a whole bunch of stuff, I guess. <laughs> You know, it's interesting. I want to ask you, Mark. It, last night, we saw those quotes from Wendell talking about how guys weren't taking it seriously. And it just – is it eerie now to think about maybe he knew this was coming and he was just letting out loose and letting out his, his frustration? Um, I'm, I'm kind of happy for Wendell in a sense because I feel like he does need a new – a fresh start. He needs to go somewhere, get like where he's not – you know, somewhat, so much pressure on him. We're over here, he was the seventh pick, had to be the starting center, all that pressure on himself. But I just feel like looking at last night, he probably saw this coming, trade coming, that he was going to get shipped out. And he just kind of had it. And he's like, you know what, I'm just going to say what's on my mind. Yeah, I mean, that's certainly possible. Like, I would be very surprised if this deal just sort of evolved in the last... 12 hours, let's say, like a deal of this magnitude where like the Magic are dealing their best player. Like I can't imagine that they just did that on a whim. So I assume AK was talking to, you know, Orlando management for quite some time, but whether, you know, Wendell was privy to those conversations, like I don't know. But yeah, to your point, like it's, it's possible that he was made aware that, you know, something may happen. Um, and then maybe that's why he said the things he said. It was kind of loose and weird and saying some strange things in the uh, in that post post game presser, I suppose. But uh, yeah, that, I, I suppose that is a, a possibility. But um, like I said before, I just did not expect I did not expect uh, Wendell to be moved just due to the fact that he had another year on, on his on his deal left. But to be moved in a deal that legit or like lands a legit all star, like yeah, that's crazy. Bulls traded Wendell Carter Jr. and a 2021 and 2023 first round pick and Otto Porter Jr. for Nikola Vucevic, Al Farouk Aminu. And the first round picks are both top four protected. So, I mean, the value that you're getting in this deal for a proven all-star and a big who can get you a double-double any night and not not to mention that but he's an inside outside threat really capable passer i mean that's a phenomenal deal to pair him with zach levine 
Mm-hmm. Like we, we always talk about like different routes to go with the Bulls or, you know, in the past it's always been should they tank, should they, you know, uh, get, get cap space for free agents, whatever, whatever. This mm-hmm. is the best thing that you could realistically hope for to get two all-stars in their prime on the same team. And you still have cap space. I think Ryan Borja, who uh, does a lot of like the cap stuff on Twitter for the Bulls, he said that we have like 22 to 25 million, I think, in cap space still for next summer so, or for uh, this upcoming off season. So like th- there's still ways to improve the team as well around that. So, uh, I mean, this is a really, really strong move. And like you were saying, Mark, you can probably count the number of times on one hand in the last 20 years that the Bulls have made a move that's maybe even, I mean, there's really not a move that's comparable to this where you're getting an all-star, but you can really count the, the times on one hand where the Bulls made a trade and it was to acquire a proven talent who could make the team better like Otto was one of them and then some people might say like the John Salmons Brad Miller deal but that was just kind of one where the Bulls just stumbled into something where it did make the team better but it was primarily a deal centered around like cap structure primarily like first of all so this is the deal that is just primarily about basketball and getting better and AK and Eversley just said hey they're they're it's, it's a big boy trade, and you, you just really can't say that about the Bulls enough. Yeah, 100%. I mean, uh, like a, I'm not the first one to say this, but I, I was joking about it on Twitter, like that literally today within the space of a few hours, AK had made two, three trades, depending how you want to slice it up, that it like positively impacted the team from a winning standpoint, like in 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 season trades whereas like you go over the garpax era like that happened maybe twice to to the point that you raised like what twice over a 17 year span something like that like obviously garpax made deals for selling off guys for draft picks that would in you know eventually eventuate into good players so if you want to include that then maybe it's a little bit different but in terms of immediate short-term help where you make a trade for whatever it is and you get in someone that comes into your lineup straight away and actively makes you better straight away like AK has made as many moves as Garpax have over the last yeah well the previous 15 to 17 years of their regime so look I'm sure we'll talk about the later deal or the other smaller deals later but yeah I mean Garpax never traded for an all-star like this uh, you know, they certainly weren't active like this. So that, that in itself is super encouraging. But the, the moves that AK made today were such resounding, obvious wins for the Bulls that it just leaves you walking away with a lot of confidence, I guess, based on where we're going forward. Now, that, that isn't to say that this roster is currently constructed or maybe as it may be constructed will win a title, but I feel confident that the guy sort of steering the ship is going to make good, shrewd moves that make complete sense. And I was—I didn't know if I felt that way yesterday because, you know, up until yesterday, the, the, the roster was largely untapped. The, the, essentially, the only moves that AK had made was firing Boylan and installing uh, Donovan, which was an easy decision. Drafting Patrick Williams, was, which was an inspired choice. And then, you know, signing Garrett Temple. But like that was literally all we had to judge AK on. And I was fearful that if we went past this deadline with like little to nothing to happen, I was kind of like, well, 
what am I what am I to make about this guy? Like, because we would have another period of time here where he's done nothing, hasn't necessarily executed a move. How, how do we judge this guy? But to go from having those thoughts like literally a few hours ago to now Spies sitting here where completely dominated the, the, uh, the Vucevic trade, completely owned the smaller deal with uh, which brought in Daniel Tice and uh, Troy Brown Jr. Like those moves were such obvious wins that um, I'm feeling really confident about where we're headed going forward. It, you know, no matter where it ends up ultimately, like these two moves were such good moves that uh, I'm just, yeah, I'm over the moon at this point. You know, it's funny you bring up guard packs and, and when they did make moves, it was always like, we're, we're going for a plan that's going to, we're going to try in two years. It was always like that. Every time they made a move, it was like from two years from now is when we're really going to try to get better. Um, and as as Ed, Edward brought up, we still have cap flexibility this offseason. So not only did AK and Eversley make the team better today, but they can still, like Edward said, improve the team in the offseason continue to get better and that's what you really want that's all you want look if you don't have a top five guy you do have stars in a sense like you have zach now and you added another really good all-star and and vucevic you just want them to keep building keep adding develop the talent that they do have that they do acquire keep building slowly slowly and eventually when the iron is hot there'll be an opportunity for them to strike and then they could do that but it's no more that that mentality of we'll wait for two more years. Like we'll wait for the future. It's now and we can do it now, but we can still have a solid team, but be flexible to continue to improve. And that that's just, it's exciting. It's exciting that we finally have a, a modern day front office that can think that way too. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I, more, moreover, like, They've clearly recognized the growth in Zach Levine. They've clearly recognized that he's good enough to build around or build with, let's say. And they're clearly trying to maximize his best, you know, his best years as a bull. So, like, I mean, Zach just turned 26. Yeah, Vooch is a little bit older. He's he's 30 now. So you've probably only got, you know, maybe two, three great, you know, good to all-star years with him. But, you know, you, you're trying as soon as you can to make your best player as good as he can be. Um, as an, from an individual standpoint, I mean, we can talk about the fit between those two guys later on, but you're just trying to put uh, put around Zach the best possible roster that you can around him. And again, if we're sort of you know juxtaposing that against Garpax and like literally four years ago, three years ago, where they traded away Jimmy Butler because they didn't necessarily believe in Butler, Butler didn't necessarily believe in sort of trying to find avenues uh, outside of the draft, let's say, or outside of free agency to, to make the team better around Butler. Here we have a situation where AK has gone out and got another all-star to pair with his all-star. But what he's also done is he's actually put some draft capital on the table to go and get that player. And that's something that, that Garpax could have ultimately done a number of times, but they just valued the draft so much operated like such a small market team where they just never felt like trading future first round picks, despite that being a move that so many other big markets have made throughout the years. Like the, the Bulls never made those sorts of moves. So to see the Bulls go and grab an all-star at the deadline, to see them do that by putting on or putting uh, draft capital on the table to acquire those sorts of things, like 
the, you know, the, the, it's the antithesis of Gar Packs, I guess is my point, like what AK has done here today. So, again, if you want more uh, more evidence as to why we should be feeling good about this situation, like <laughs> the fact that the moves that he's executed today are, are like the complete opposite to something that I would expect from Gar Packs, again, that gives me confidence. Let's Let's talk about the fit. So one of the things I find interesting about this is that we thought that Lowry, Mar- like th- there was a decent chance Lowry Markkinen could have been traded, right? And he wasn't moved. And when you think about Nikola Vucevic, you think about pairing him with like a, a smaller ball four, kind of like an Aaron Gordon type of player, like someone that can play defense, who's athletic, who kind of like compliments him and kind of like offsets some of his weaknesses. And when you look at Lowry Markkinen, Markkinen and Vucevic are kind of redundant, right? So it's going to be interesting to see how the starting lineup is and what the rotation is like, because right now, Lowry is a starter. And I mean, you would presume that the starting lineup is Sadoransky, Levine, uh, Pat Williams, Lowry and Vucevic. But I I think you could make a case right now, a very strong case that you move Lowry to the bench and you put Thad Young in the starting lineup that way you can, at least, like, I mean, granted, that Young is not, like, athletic, but I think his defensive uh, ability and his passing with Vucevic, I think that complements a lot more than having two seven-footers in the lineup who really aren't the, like, aren't, like, really, really good defenders. So what do both of you guys think about how this starting lineup and rotation is going to work with Vucevic in the fold? Yeah, in some ways, it kind of reminds me back to the Tibbs days when they had, you know, uh, Noah and Taj and then Gasol and Miritich, where, like, there was an obvious combinations where it completely made sense to play a pairing, like Noah and Miritich made sense or Noah and Gasol made some sense, I guess, but, like, Taj and Miritich made sense, where you wanted to get, like, the offensive guy next to the defensive guy. So taking that thought process forward into this current day balls like marketing is redundant now that you have someone like Vooch who is just essentially a better version of Larry marketing and a more complete and more dynamic version of Larry marketing but Larry is still I guess he still has value as a as an offensive player as a shooter now coming off the bench you have someone like Daniel Tice who is probably more of a defensive guy You've got Thad Young who is a two-way player but his value well, he has a lot of value on the defensive end. It just makes so much sense to pair someone like Thad with Vucevic and it just so makes so much sense to pair Lowry with Tice. Now, obviously, you're not going to start Tice and bench for Vucevic, so Vucevic goes straight into that starting lineup. But to me, it doesn't make any sense at all to start Larry Markinen next to Vucevic, given like defensively that would probably be very problematic. But, um, you know, moreover, like what Vuce does on offense, you can do with Lowry and you can do it to a better to a, a more dynamic extent at least. And like just, yeah, defensively, it doesn't make sense. Offensively, it doesn't make a lot of sense. And maybe maybe more importantly, like the deadline's passed now. Like do the Bulls really need to gift Larry Markkinen a starting spot now that they're not necessarily showcasing him for potential trades or whatever it might be? Like uh, not to say they, like they actively want to compress his value going to free agency or anything like that, but like 
there's no reason to be wedded to Larry Markin going forward if you're not necessarily even thinking about having him going forward. Like we're assuming that they were dangling Markin in trades. We're assuming that they were trying to trade Markin for Lonzo. So if that's the case, they don't clearly value him long term. So if that's true, then why keep giving Larry Markin that power forward spot when Thad is better than Larry? Thad is a better fit with Vucevic and Larry is probably a better fit with Tyus. So I completely agree. It's time to send Larry to the bench, uh, do what's right for the team in terms of what's, what's the best option for winning. Um, and I think Thad next to Vuce should be the starting four and five. I mean, not only send Larry to the bench, but like to me, and, and then they won't do it, but I, just limit his minutes. Like, I'd give him, like, 15 minutes a game. But realistically, you look at this lineup, like, you talk about uh, Tice and how he fits. Like, I would love to see him with Pat. Like, Pat at the four, Tice at five. Uh, I would love to see Thad at four, Tice at five, in a sense. Kind of give that mix and match. I love the idea of having that small ball lineup that can get up and down the court, especially if you have Thad and Sato. Uh, with the passing ability, move, they're able to move the ball. And really, when you think about the starting lineup and fit-wise, I mean, I know we don't technically have a three right now. I mean, maybe I would start Troy Brown just because he we did acquire him or maybe Temple. I don't know how they're going to go with that. But keep, like I said, keep Pat at, at the four. Bring Thad off the bench to kind of – because 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 Vuk can pass the ball because he can't he is a good passer and then you have Sato there it kind of leaves that where Thad can come off the bench you have somebody that can move the ball off the bench as well and can maybe team up with Kobe get Kobe looks and things like that so I just think about like realistically like Laurie should be very limited in how much he realistically plays. Uh, they won't do that, but I, I just feel like he shouldn't really be in the rotation that much. Yeah, I, I completely agree. It's going to be an interesting. It's yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how Donovan handles it. Like you, you guys know that I love watching rotations and how how coaches juggle all that. But like there there is a political element to it, or maybe an asset management element to it as well. Like, are they thinking? I guess we need to know what they're thinking with Larry. Do, do they still view him as someone that they want to retain? I hope not because that doesn't really make sense with Vucevic around. Um, if not, do, are they just happy to let him walk or are they thinking maybe we can still use this guy as an asset as a sign and trade? Like, I don't know. You kind of need those questions answered and maybe those questions will play a part as to how the rotation and starting lineup is sort of managed. But uh, yeah, I, I, look for, for me, who's someone who's kind of been out on Larry Martin for a little bit now, and even more so now after the trade deadline, knowing that Vucevic has come in, and like I said, he he, he does all the things Larry can can Larry do. He's maybe not as great of a shooter or as a, as a pure shooter as Larry, but he's most certainly a pick and pop option. What does he shoot like over six attempts from three? He's a very very good shooter. Can get into the post unlike Larry. Can play in the mid range unlike Larry. Like. What, what would Larry be doing starting next to Vucevic? He would basically just be standing in the corner and just spotting up for three. So may as well just do that off the bench, get him more volume off the bench and more usage off the bench and maybe let him cook in the off the bench the way Miritich did back in the day. Like maybe that's the role for marketing now for the remaining 28, 30 games, whatever it may be. But um, long-term at least, uh, yeah, I think we're all in agreement that it probably doesn't make sense to keep Larry. So in that sense, like 
why be wedded to manipulating your rotations, your offense, etc., to really engineer it around Mario, which to me doesn't make sense anymore. The Bulls suddenly have a very, very formidable pick and pop, pick and roll duo with Zach Levine and Nikola Vucevic. It's going to be really interesting. And again, as we mentioned, this has been so different because so many young players were either at risk of getting moved or were moved. So Wendell Carter gone in uh, this deal. Then we get to the uh, second deal of the day where it started off as a deal between the Bulls and the Wizards and then evolved into a three-team deal. So uh, Washington got Daniel Gafford and Chandler Hutchinson. The Celtics get Luke Cornett and Mo Wagner. The Bulls got Daniel Tice, uh, Javante Green, Troy Brown uh, Jr., and they got some cash from both teams. So a really interesting deal where it feels like the Bulls not only got a very, very solid backup center or even a spot starter in Daniel Tice, but they also got someone in Troy Brown Jr. who I think a lot of people are high on and kind of view this as a buy low opportunity for the Bulls. And they did it by giving up really not much. Like Chandler Hudson hasn't been in a rotation all season Daniel Gafford has been in and out of a rotation, even though like, you know, Gafford's okay, but kind of like a replaceable player where you can get guys that hustle and dunk all the time. And then like Luke Cornett, you know, whatever, whatever. So it it feels like the Bulls got a a decent amount out of that. It's it's a really exciting deal. Uh, What do you guys think about that, that trade uh, between the Bulls, Wizards and Celtics? Yeah, this might sound ridiculous to say, given that the primary deal, the headline deal that the Bulls did make was, you know, the landing an all-star player like Vucevic. But this smaller deal to me actually is the one that really signifies why we should be confident in Karnaschovas. And the reason why I say that is like he's managed to find a competitive advantage in a deal where not only has he acquired the best player in that deal, which is Daniel Tice, but he's actually acquired the best prospect in that deal, which is um, Troy Van Jr. Doing that whilst picking up cash considerations, which the uh, the Reinsdorfs will love, <laughs> whilst also unloading guys that aren't even in the rotation, like Hutchinson hasn't played for a while, Gafford, completely replaceable player, like you mentioned, Edward. Like You can find a big rim-rolling, dunking sort of center in every single draft. And who else do they get rid of? Luke Cornett. Like, who cares about Luke Cornett? He should have been waived anyway if he wasn't <laughs> traded. So... To, to pick up Tice, to pick up Troy Brown Jr., who uh, – what I really like about the Troy Brown Jr. trade in itself is, like, obviously Wendell has gone out to facilitate the Vucevic trade, which, you know, it is what it is. The, the Wendell experiment didn't work in Chicago. Hopefully for Wendell, it does in Orlando or wherever, wherever it may be. But effectively, you gave up your, your draft pick from 2018. But what you sort of recoup, I guess, by bringing in Troy Brown is getting a player from that draft. And Troy Brown Jr. was taking was taking number 15 in that draft, a few spots behind Wendell, just outside of the lottery. So you kind of get back into that draft, so to speak, or get a project from that draft whilst sort of using Wendell to, uh, to facilitate the, the Vucevic trade. And like 
Brown's showed some stuff in Washington. It's not like some guy that's just never done anything. I don't know why they weren't playing him this season. Maybe he didn't get on with Scott Brooks. Maybe they valued someone else or, you know, someone above him or whatever it might be. But, like, he averaged, like, 10-5-3 and three last season for, for the Wizards. Uh, I think his shooting splits off the top of my head are 44, 34, and, and 78. So, like, there's something to be had there with Brown. There's something to work with with that guy and he's got a bit of ball handling and I mean, you can, you can potentially develop him into being a nice role player and to get that from that deal as well, as well as Daniel Tice, like that move in itself, I thought was actually the best move of the day, um, which sounds ridiculous to say, like I said, given that the other moving involved a legit all-star guy that's given you 25, 11 and four, but I don't know, like that, that was the deal where I, where I thought, yeah, this AK dude, <laughs> he knows what he's doing. He knows how to strike and he knows how to take advantage of some, um, some other teams that are like the Celtics were clearly trying to get rid of some contracts, clearly trying to save some cash. And he took advantage of that. And I don't know what the hell the Wizards were doing. Like, why would you want, why would you get rid of Troy Brown if, for like Chandler Hutchinson and Daniel Gaffer? Like, but, you know, if they want to be dumb and we want to reap the rewards of it, then, then let's go. Uh, not not to bring up Gar Pax again, but whenever whenever they did small deals like this, it was always like a favor to like Bartlestein or something, right? It, it was always taking some kind of you know Bartlestein client to to save money or whatever like that, right? It was never really a a a, a type of trade that's going to benefit the team on the court and actually make the team better at all. So that right there is like amazing that the, he was able to add not only guys that have a guy that has potential like in Troy Brown that maybe we can develop uh and like Mark said turn into an, a, a reliable role player but a guy like Tice we can talk about who's like a modern day big that we're we're joining the modern NBA. Slowly but surely we're joining the modern NBA. We're getting away with trying to bank, only build around, you know, two bigs. You know, we have, obviously, we have Vooch, but he's an all-star. It's, it's a little different. But, yeah, it, it just, looking at this trade, it just, it's amazing that we're able to, even at, on the small level, bring in guys that will really contribute and help us get better. Yeah. And, and the Bulls lately have been, they've been getting killed by bigs. So... To go from Wendell and Gafford and to Vooch and Tice now, like that that's significant. That you now have a significant upgrade in the front court. You have guys that have been there, done that, and that veteran presence in the locker room, that certainty is really gonna mix well, especially with Zach Levine and Thad Young. Like I I, I like I like what could potentially come off the bench now with Kobe, uh, it, depending on what they're doing with the starting lineup. But if it's from my vision, if it's Kobe, it's Lowry, it's Tice, it's uh, Temple, uh, it's uh, Troy Brown. I, I like that. And I mean, shoot, maybe maybe even sometimes I, I guess Aminu could kind of spot start, even though he's not anything anymore. But I mean, defensively, he used to have a pretty solid reputation, but I, I like the options now that can come off the bench. And I feel like this move, like Mark was saying, really, really impressive because the Bulls took advantage of what some teams were trying to like, were kind of like 
cap crunching or whatever. So they took advantage of that and they were able to upgrade talent wise, upgrade certainty with their team, upgrade the locker room, upgrade and just the versatility of the team and even upside with Troy Brown Jr. It's it's a really, really solid move. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I guess, yeah, look, the, the bench, I think he's going to be better. Hopefully uh, the bench has been pretty ordinary since the starting lineup change, but I think you know, I just keep coming back to the fit between Vucevic and Zach Levine from an offensive standpoint. Yes, maybe defensively it's going to be uh, not so great, but hopefully guys like Patrick Williams and Thad Young, who are like the exact archetype you put next to a center like Vucevic, like that makes a lot of sense. But like I just keep coming back to this idea that AK is Benny, they are trying to build a version of the Denver Nuggets here in Chicago. And I say that because in my mind, like if you think about Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic and specifically like a week ago this time, like the Bulls were playing the Nuggets, the, the two main game that those guys had was almost unstoppable. Now, that isn't to say, I'm not trying to say that uh, Nikola Vucevic is uh, the equivalent of Nikola Jokic because he's clearly not. You know, Jokic is an MVP or should be the NBA, uh, MVP this season. But now suddenly you've got a guy that you can dump the ball down in the post. You've got a guy who can be a really good short roll option. Like if we think about how the Bulls have been using Thad as the screener, Thad screens for Levine, rolls to the high post. Is that release valve where, you know, if Levine is trapped, he can sort of dump it off to Thad who can sort of maximize a four on three situation. You can obviously still use that in that situation, but now think about someone like uh, Vucevic in that situation where he can go and still make those plays, still make uh, still make the right reads and pass. Like he, he's, like I said, he's averaging almost four assists per game this season, but he can also do a ton more on offense than, than, than Thad can do from the short roll but he can also pick and pop and just like that's just an element the Bulls haven't had from the center position. Like the center guy has always been a rim roller for the Bulls, you know, more generally like Lowry's not involved in screen and roll action. Whereas now with Vucevic, like you can screen him with Levine. Vuce is an absolute massive human. So those, those screens are going to stick, but now for Levine, like he has a legit pick and pop option that he can throw it out to as well. So Offensively, like if we're if we're thinking about Zach Levine and, and the level that he's gone to from an offensive standpoint this season and what he's done with the limited teammates he has had, now you throw in a guy like Vucevic, who himself is like a force offensively, and just thinking about the combinations that, in in how you can play Levine and Vucevic together, or you know thinking about how Denver use Jokic and Jamal Murray as a two man game, like. There's similarities to be had between Denver and the Bulls now. And, you know, you can extend that to to someone like Patrick Williams and Jeremy Grant, like the, sim- like the synergies between those guys, Thad Young and Paul Millsap, like there's, again, similarities between those guys. So I, I keep coming back to that thought that maybe it's just by coincidence, maybe it's not, but it kind of feels like, it kind of feels like uh, AK is trying to build like a Denver East in, in, in with, with the Bulls. And, you know, maybe some people won't, be into that because maybe a team like the Nuggets never win a title, but um, you know, who knows? I'm just happy that the Bulls have a legit building or have a legit foundation now to build a legitimately good team. And uh, I think this is, yeah, I'm just super excited with how this is going to work offensively. Yeah. On defense, there may be some, <laughs> some issues, but um, hopefully we can get in some defensive players like Williams, like Thad Young and 
you know, it would have been nice to get in Lonzo, but maybe in the offseason we can do that. But uh, yeah, the scope of this team offensively is is huge right now. Yeah, I'm I'm into it. It's kind of, like you, you mentioned Murray and Jokic. It's even kind of like reminiscent of, at least offensively, Jimmy Butler and Pau Gasol. And those two as a duo were like really good, even though like, you know, those Bulls team were not as, like we kind of went through some stuff. But I, I, I kind of see some of that in them as well so i mean that's good so if we're kind of projecting all of this and the bulls right now are in the 10th seed in the eastern conference they're 19 and 24 they are two and a half back of the sixth seed new york knicks how how much of an impact we we know that long term like next season and maybe the season after that that this can be a good team if they get the right supporting cast around it but this is definitely a move that is meant to spearhead the rest of a season and make a playoff push. So, so I, I remember saying like all season that I wasn't really like judging wins and losses because this was an evaluation season. We wanted to see how the young players fit and whatnot. But now that a lot of these young players are gone, I mean, there's still Kobe and Patrick here. This is definitely a team that wants to win. And they want to make that play, uh, make the playoffs. So, how do you see this going? Are the Bulls going to catch momentum? Are they going to catch fire? There's a tough schedule coming up. Does this Vucevic trade kind of put them over the top and get them into the the playoffs? Yeah, it's it's going to be tough because you mentioned it there, or you alluded to it. Like the schedule coming up is really really rough uh off the top of my head i think that you know the first game the first five games out of the out of the deadline is you know a four-game road trip out west against the spurs the jazz the suns and and the warriors Mm -hmm. then you come back home to play the nets like that's that's tough a tough five-game stand against you know five good to great teams and then you go on the road again after you've played the nets on a five-game road trip where you've got games against like the grizzlies the hawks the, the Timberwolves, there's a couple, a couple other games in there that I, I can't remember the top of my head, but that back five games isn't as hard as the first five games, but it, it's still essentially nine road games out of your first 10 games out of the deadline. Your team has been essentially remodeled. That team's not necessarily going to have a lot of time to practice together. They're going to try and, I guess, learn each other, the tendencies of each other in games against you know, super hard competition. So I think there's still a chance that this season – you know, that they don't necessarily propel themselves up into the Eastern Conference. Like I I would still be, I still think they have a real chance to stumble into the plane, but like playing themselves out of ninth or 10th up into like fourth or fifth or sixth or something like that, like, and, you know, challenging the Hawks and the Knicks for their current standing position, like that may be tough to do just given that there's only like 30 odd games left. The next 10 are going to be so hard and this team won't have a lot of time to gel. Like, I think I think there's more of a, it's more likely that they don't necessarily sort of propel themselves up into that legitimate playoff team, but I would expect that for next season. But yeah, maybe if the if the schedule was a little bit lighter, I would feel differently. But just based on the schedule right now, um, I'm I'm feeling a little bit more cautious about it. But um, to be honest with you, I don't really care either. Like if they can get into the plane, like really the best the best case scenario for the Bulls is to get into the plane, maybe lose in the plane get like the 12th overall pick in the lottery, have some lottery luck. And then, you know, that, that pick that they traded to Orlando in 2021's top four protected. So if you can jump up from like 12th to, to fourth or something like that and keep your pick, 
like that would be sick. So um, that's probably the best case scenario for the Bulls. So I don't, I don't even know if I'm rooting for them to get into the playoffs. Uh, like I know that would be nice. Maybe like that's like their next best thing for them to achieve. But, you know, getting into the play-in and maybe not necessarily getting into the playoffs, depending on how the lottery sort of plays out, like that could be favorable too. Yeah, I think the play-in is realistically uh, like kind of maybe a – I don't know if I should say a lot, but it feels like it, it's probably going to be a lot. But it's kind of hard to see just the way Mark said the schedule gets so much tougher. Oddly, I don't know what the reason is, and, and might be a lot more because we played tougher teams at home than away. But our, we have a over we're over five hundred on the road for some reason, um, I, and I really haven't looked at exact teams and stuff we've played, but obviously the two teams on the road that I can think of that are actually not bad are a team like Portland and then a team like Dallas. So for some reason we won those two games on the road. Um, I'm not sure. Like I said, I'm not sure what the exact reasoning is. So maybe some of these road games could bode well, especially if they're not teams that are like super like good, like really high, you know, top four teams in either conference. But yeah, it's probably more so realistically I'm thinking of playing game as well. And we'll see what happens at that point. I mean, it, maybe they gel by the playing game and they wind up with one of those seven or eight spots. But like Mark said, I, it, the best case certainly could be if you just missed, a, you know, you get into playing game, but then you missed the playoffs and then you get really lucky and jump into the top four. Mm. Yeah, that would I wouldn't mind that scenario either. It's going to be interesting, though, like. I could definitely see a scenario where the Bulls just kind of like gel from jump with these new pieces because it's it, it's it's these trades are good, but they're even better because like the pieces like fit on paper. So it's just like you can see it kind of taking off and it shouldn't be too bad of a uh, I think a, a transition phase for all of the new pieces. So uh, let's let's wrap up with this. So we've talked about all of the young players who the Bulls have dealt Wendell Carter Jr., uh, Chandler Hutchinson, Daniel Gafford. Uh, who do you like? Wendell is going through a lot, and I, I still think that he can be a good player. And I do kind of like Orlando for him because they're going through a rebuild, and I think that he can still like he can still make his mistakes, and it's. It, it, I think that he's gonna it's gonna be better for him there, where he can make his mistakes. And hopefully he can play through it and maybe he can like get over the confidence issues that he's having. It's also a smaller market. Hutchinson and uh, Gaffer going to Washington, also getting a change of scenery uh, could be good for them. So do you guys see any of these players like turning it around in their new spots and living it up to their potential? Or do you think just kind of like the book is kind of written for the most part on what they're going to be? So for Wendell, I think the book isn't written, but, you know, it's up to him ultimately to decide, you know, does he believe in himself? Does, it, does he think he can be a player in this league? Like the, the biggest impediment to Wendell being good, I think, is Wendell. I don't think it's skill-based. I think it's, you know, just a mental thing with him. I don't know if the Magic are a great situation for Wendell. Like I was fine with moving him in the right deal. And, you know, Wendell's my guy. I would have liked to have seen him go to a situation where, 
you know, that, that team has a good track record of extracting the best from their prospects. And you can't necessarily say that about the magic. Mm. Um, and particularly with like the team with Orlando, like they've got absolutely zero guard play as well. And, you know, we've complained for years about the Bulls having no guards, no point guards and how that's impacted Lowry and Wendell. And it kind of feels like Wendell's going to a, a pretty poor situation in Orlando, but, you know, maybe they have some lottery luck and, you know, they get someone like Cade Cunningham or, they get Suggs in the draft. They get that point guard they need and that player sort of really helps well. While Wendell, like maybe that happens or, you know, maybe Wendell ends up in another team in a year or two and, and finds his best version of himself. So I think um, I think Wendell can be good still. Uh, we'll see how that happens or when that happens or if that happens. It's, uh, it's kind of on him now, but he has an opportunity, I guess. But yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. The other two, I mean, the other two guys are limited guys, like, you can, like like we said before, you can draft a million dra- Daniel Gaffords in the draft of like Nick Claxton or whatever it was, who's doing some things in, in Brooklyn right now, obviously like a late first round pick. Uh, there's always going to be a rim running center that you can find in the draft. Uh, look, I'm not a big Gafford fan. I think he's a very limited player, not the smartest player going around. So we'll see what he can do in in, uh, in Washington. And similarly for Hutchinson, like uh, do we even know if Hutchinson's going to play in Washington? Um, or what the deal is there. But I, I would be more confident in Wendell making it or finding a version of himself that is uh, able to impact an NBA game, whereas the other two, like I just went, I wasn't high on them when, when they were in Chicago, so I'm not necessarily going to be high on them when they're you know elsewhere. Yeah, I think we can all agree to an extent Wendell is his own worst enemy because he gets down on himself. He gets He thinks too much. I, I know we've said it on Mark said it on Bulls HU many times. You and I, Edward, have said it here so many times that you know he he just thinks too much out there and and overanalyzes every mistake he makes on the court. Um, and like I said earlier in the episode, I feel like getting out of Chicago where he was the seventh pick and having to be the starting center, um, that pressure's gone for him. So I think that's going to benefit him. To Mark's point, though, like, yeah, they don't really have a track record of developing. But I'm hoping that Wendell can just kind of, you know, buckle down, just let go of whatever happened. Just pretend like, you know, this is, well, not pretend it because it is a fresh new start, but kind of pretend like this isn't something where he's had the last four year struggles up and down and just kind of take care of his body, take care of his mind and just go out there. And you know, leave everything on the court, and I I think he can turn his career around. Um, I won't be surprised if you know in a year or so he'll be end up in a, on a different team just because I'm not. Orlando is such like a wacky place. We don't know, and then and, and that might not have nothing to do with Wendell. It'd just be a situation because he'll be moving on to a better um, team and a better situation for himself. So, but yeah, I definitely I, I see I can see Wendell eventually becoming a, a solid starting center. If he can just stay healthy and just get out of his own head, just yeah. get out of his own way, really. Yeah, it's if he can, if he can make a mistake and move on to the next play, and just move on to the next play after that, he can be good. Like like you say, if he can move past all the internalization, stay healthy, he can be a really good player for the Orlando Magic. And I, I think Chandler Hutchinson is interesting because. I liked him as a like I actually liked him as a prospect when he got him like he's like on paper you're talking about like a six seven six eight forward who rebounded the ball well in college could pass some really athletic 
shot is kind of, and he's been out in and out of the lineup with injuries, and we don't really know, you know, why he was out of the lineup uh, or not, or just away from the team, it seemed like this time. I guess a lot of the speculation was that they told him he wasn't going to play and, you know, they were going to seek out a deal for him. Um, not sure if it was anything outside of that, but uh, he, he was a really interesting player, even though I know he kind of comes with a bad rap because the Bulls promised him and a lot of the players, I think, or not a lot, but there were like a few players, I think, selected after him that ended up being uh, better players. So it's he, he's definitely an interesting cause. But, uh, yeah, it, it'll be uh, it'll be worth watching to see how some of these uh, former Bulls play in their new spots. Mark, this has been great talking to you, reacting to a big day for the Bulls, really eventful trade deadline. And yeah, I think we're all just excited to watch these new players going forward and see how the rest of the season uh, shakes out. But yeah, again, great talking to you. Our listeners know where they can find you at and where they can listen to you. But just in case they forgot, let them know what you're working on right now and you know uh, where they can listen to you at. Well, I'm going to try and work on getting some sleep because I've been awake way too long to <laughs> be honest with you uh, in Australia. The Fooch got traded around like 2.30 a.m. my time. So, um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm running on empty right now. But, uh, yeah, look, I appreciate you guys having me on, um, particularly after, like well, like I said from the top, particularly after we got together maybe a week ago we had a pretty depressing podcast <laughs> lamenting this, the team or the previous iteration of the team. But um, it was fun actually getting together today and having the chance to actually talk about some positive stuff. So, um, yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. If uh, if people want to follow me, they can on on Twitter at MK Hoops. You know, if you want another Bulls podcast that you want to listen to after Bulls Cold, uh, Bulls Gold rather, then you can um, you can always swing by Bulls HQ and, and hear my thoughts as well on on this topic on a million other Bulls topics. Um, you can catch uh, Bulls HQ wherever you get basically any podcast. So uh, yeah, if 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 the listeners of Bulls Gold want to come past and uh, listen to my thoughts, then uh, feel free. Uh, we'd love to have you. Absolutely. And uh, on the last show, I mixed your thoughts with uh, Salim's. I didn't give Salim <laughs> credit for <laughs> one of the yeah. like great analogies that he, that he made about this team. So I uh, apologize for that, but <laughs> it's all in good. No, no that's okay. It was, it, was a good, it was a good point. But I was listening to that episode. I was like, I'm pretty sure I didn't say that. But look, I'll take credit for it. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I was, I was glad uh, Salim spoke up there. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's, that, that makes sense. I did yeah. not say that. Salim made, Salim made that point on the show. So uh, yeah, that, that, that's all good. All good. <laughs> my memory is twisted lately uh salim <laughs> any final thoughts before we wrap up man yeah i uh, wanted to i was first thank mark i uh, yeah. love having him on he's obviously a friend of ours for a while now yeah. and love his thoughts he's he's a great follow you learn a lot from him on twitter mm-hmm. uh, does a lot of breakdowns of the team and one point i didn't want to make you know we've talked about the defensive like chemistry or issues that might, you know, come around with Levine and, and Vuk. But obviously there's not a lot of great defensive stats out there. But I was looking just as his EPM, his estimated plus minus. The last two years, he graded out pretty well. Now this season, he's about average. He's grading out average there. So, I mean, maybe there's some potential there where he can at least be a decent, you know, stabilizing force in the middle if surrounded properly or I don't know what the reason was that you know last season he was better than this season and so forth so 
I mean, I think there's some potential there that he might not be, you know, it might not be as bad as we think right now. Like right now we're kind of going off of assumptions and maybe we'll see as the games are played what he does defensively and how he how he reads the game and the floor. But yeah, maybe, maybe it won't be as bad, like I said, that we thought it was. Yeah. I, I wonder if the guards, if the guards can play the pick and roll better, I think. I think that'll help a lot too, right? Yeah, no, definitely. That's that's the key, and I think that's been the biggest issue. And I think Mark will has pointed it out many times uh, that that's been the biggest issue is uh, the point of attack on the pick and roll defense, especially with Kobe and Zach. Um, just been very very poor. Uh, that that's been why a lot of the issues do come about, and I think even. Uh, Marcus said that you know their the, the the drop is probably not the best defensive coverage to have like as your base coverage mm-hmm. uh, as well. So I mean, yeah, there's there's various different things that you know that can make make or break your defense. But yeah, I'm just I was just thinking you know looking at his defensive play and not to ramble on too much more here. But I mean, maybe there's some potential there that maybe like I said is not as bad as we think it might be. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'd say that's a good point. And um, like the the Magic under a defensive coach have built good defenses around Vucevic. So yeah, there's definitely scope for that. Like just in the same way the Bulls built good defensive teams around Pau Gasol as a center. Mm-hmm. So like those Pau Gasol sort of lineups dropped. Uh, I'm expecting, well, the Bulls have been in drop coverage. Um, I'm expecting the Bulls to remain in drop coverage with a big guy like Vuce who's not necessarily going to be blitzing or showing out high. Um, but uh, any defensive scheme you have, if you have like weak links in it, like Kobe White, like irrespective of what you're running, your defense is going to fall over. So you can certainly build a good defense around Vooch. That I, I still expect it to be a drop coverage just due to the fact that he's probably more comfortable in the paint, I would suppose, or around that paint area. But yeah, that, that, that certainly is a good a, a good point. And like, like like I mentioned before, like the type of play you want to put next to a center like Vooch is Thad Young or or even you know Patrick Williams. Like they are the type of roaming forwards that can sort of play out high and then come back and defend the rim that you want to put next to a guy like Vooch. So um, yeah, there's certainly scope for the Bulls to be at least a an average defensive team with Vooch around, and you know even if you can get in Lonzo as well, like then you would have three-plus defenders on the floor. So, yeah, it's definitely possible. Yeah. Yeah, Lonzo would have really, really helped. That would have been like – that definitely would have been like the cherry on top for today if we could have got Lonzo because it would have just solved so many things from getting another, like, playmaker, getting another, like, facilitator, getting another shooter, getting someone who can help with the point of attack, improving defense. just would have solved a lot of different things. That That would have been great, but maybe we can get that – in the off season, and I mean, there's still potential and there's still flexibility to acquire him uh, this upcoming summer. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, but that wraps up today's Bulls Gold. As always, follow us on Twitter at Bulls Gold. Catch us here on Nothing But Net Radio every Tuesday morning, nine eight central. If you missed any past shows, catch us on iTunes, catch us on Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And we will be back next week. So for Salim Sudawala, I'm Edward Schuler. This has been Bulls Gold, and we will catch you next time, Bulls fans. Bye.